For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I went to Bladen Races, was on the 9th of June. 1862 on a summer's afternoon We took the bus from Balmbras And she was heavy laden Away we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, my lads, you should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lassies there And all with smiling faces Yanning along the Scotswood Road To see the Bladen races Hello and welcome to C HN Radio episode 169. It's your boy Greg Fox. We have a lot of news for you. We'll keep the match recap short because most of y'all hopefully have already forgotten that one. But uh, we'll, we'll do we'll do the, the re- West Brom recap. We'll do a lot of. Newcastle news and drama only only in this club does this stuff happen and then uh we'll preview our upcoming match this weekend against mile so nice we introduce the best damn calls in the land Elijah gruesome newsome oh that's the introduction okay yeah um hey we're we're excited to be here um uh, in honor of the great country of America, uh, Greg and I are both sipping on some High West. Um, I've got the bourbon, and Greg, I'm, I believe you're sipping on the rye. Uh, no, a blend. Oh, oh a blend. A bourbon and scotch. Oh, that sounds uh, that sounds like something that I would not be able to drink neat. Yeah, well, good we're thing gonna, I, just more we're gonna... We're going to do a summer series of just like mm-hmm. whiskey reviews yeah we should do like how luke edwards did what wine is what player we should do a whiskey one for our our new roster that would actually be that'd be sick i'd love to do that actually this is the again again for our our listeners who i don't think we have any new listeners at this point um Hopefully, but, but if not, tell your friends. Yeah, just you're seeing this like live as you always do us coming up with ideas that we may or may not follow through on. So, yeah, um, we'll see. Anyway, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about uh, Newcastle and just what has been a wonderfully interesting week. I think um, I've been onboarding uh, people for the site and a lot of them have mentioned that uh, it's different with it like seeing how the events of Newcastle United unfold when you're uh, like, you know, thousands of miles away versus everyone who's in that city center. So I'm curious to hear like Greg's takes on these events after I've doom scrolled Twitter for a week uh, now uh, processing some of the crazy news from last week, uh, some of the results elsewhere and kind of looking ahead. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Hey, if you haven't already checked out the site, uh, check it out coming on newcastle.spnation.com or just coming on newcastle.com. Um, we got a squad. Uh, shout out to our boy Alex uh, Pichetti. 
who returned to the site. He's written some some dope pieces up, just dropped some fire about Steve Bruce. Um, our main man, Batman's Milkman, quite the stats guru himself, been doing statistical recaps. Uh, Aaron Reed, giving his previews and reviews, love it. And um, our boy Abedov also dropping his first article. So um, a lot of new guys on the site. Um, and if you're interested in doing anything with the site, let a brother know because we out here, we allow, we hiring, we out here, we're not hiring, but we're, we're accepting folks into our cult. <laughs> into the cult, the Newcastle yeah. cult. Yeah. Like if, if you want to just, if you want to provide content in any way, shape or form, you shall holler at us. Sure. Do it. Um, we are, we're, we're really excited about the, the growing team that we have on the site and, uh, we are very open to any ideas that you may have that could improve it. Um, we just want more people involved. It's a community made by fans for the fans. Oh, fans. Yeah. Damn. So, did you uh, read that off the SB Nation uh, about section? I did not. Oh, they should uh, hire you to write the about section then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, so let's get into this this match: Newcastle West Brom zero zero. Uh, I was deciding what is better that this match happens at 4 a.m. Pacific time and I don't have to watch it live, but still have to watch it later for this podcast, or is it better that it happens and I just have to watch it as it happens live? What's, what's a better scenario? Like I have to rewatch it knowing that it was terrible or just watch it all at once for the first time, not knowing what's going to happen. No, I think it's it's the first one because there there's always that like twinge of hope that even though like with all Newcastle matches, especially the past year or so, uh, that I guess almost two years now, uh, but there's always that twinge of hope that even though this is a terrible match, that Newcastle could potentially walk away with three points from some fluky goal or some set piece or something absurd. Uh, so I think watching it live is slightly better for that reason because you're always grasping onto that that bit of hope that maybe, just maybe, Newcastle could sneak away with some sort of result. Yeah. And knowing that like it's a terrible match and then Newcastle walk away with a point, like I feel like that's worse because like you there's there's especially with a zero zero result, because you know there's like there's no chance that there's no goal to even look forward to. It's just awful. Yeah. Yeah, so let, let's start. Let's start it with three words, because uh, y'all always kill it in that. So after every match, if if you're if you are one of those new listeners that Elijah says there isn't, uh, we after every match we ask you to pick three words to describe it, and you always deliver. Follow us at chn underscore podcast to take part in that. David Murray at muzzy sixty one says doomed going down. Run the jewels, great. Great, McUltra. Great. Uh, says, turgid, terrible football. Mile High Jordy says, get Bruce out. Toon Army Madison, Steve Bruce out. Gareth Boone, watched point break. break. Watched point break. Uh, Eric at Stumanji says, Sunderland, Newcastle Championship. Uh, Toon Army Calgary, fuck off. Bruce Cunt. <laughs> Thought that was creative. Uh, Blake says, lucky others equal shitter. Uh, Toon Man US says, kill me now. And Eric Schmidt says, result not surprising. 
Maddie Harrison, flattered to deceive. Toon Army Portland says, Bruce, no ambition. Lee says, set up to draw. Joel at Joel underscore R underscore 91 says, rest in peace. And Joel Avery says, should have slept in. Um, okay. So a lot to unpack with those three words. This is how we'll start this off. So I, I think that what we saw here this past weekend was a championship match that was in the premier league. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone even wrote, uh, <laughs> someone even mentioned that this would be a really good, this would be like a top 10 championship match. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it did feel like that. It was, uh, it was, it was rough to watch. Um, even the players involved, like there was, there was no one. There was little atten- intent. Well, Very I mean, little. yeah, it was, it was just like there was no one on either side that like gave you the vibe of that. Maybe Ryan Fraser, but that's a name more than just like actual performance. If that makes sense, like the idea of Ryan Fraser as a Premier League player, but watching him was like, oh, yikes! Uh, especially kind of him from first to second half. Uh, so yeah, I would agree. It, it it looked like a championship match. Felt like a championship match. Um, and I mean. All it needed was Dwight Gale to start, and it's essentially a championship match. Yeah, seriously. And, and like, I just like there was these little half chances that Newcastle would create here. Um, we just like, like the like, it, it was just like, it's so hard to describe what it is we're doing, but. I mean, what one thing, so I, I was, one of the things I was worried about going into this match, I'll say this, is that West Brom, they needed three points to pretty much have any chance of not being relegated. And that's, that's over with now. They're, they're, they're done. They, they can't recover. So the fact that they didn't even like look like any threat is very alarming. But for us, just to like knowing that we're getting closer and closer to that drop zone without great players we just don't have any plan to, to in the final third to do anything. Like there's like the Emil Kraft chance. So like the only reason it's a chance is because it's deflected. Like we had no plan in the final third there. Like you had the Ryan Fraser laying off to Joe Willick to Jolinton who hits it right into a defender. It's like, like, we're not even like, <laughs> we're not even like doing things that can like lead to the, Hey, let's actually make a save. Like let's make the goalie work here. Like it's just very lazy effort in the final third. If Callum Wilson, Miguel Amran, or Alan St. Maximin are out, they like literally don't have confidence that we'll score. And it's not because like, yes, the players aren't as good as those three. That's absolutely obvious, but there's no, no plan set up for those players to perform. If you watch our buildup play and once players get to the final third, they all slow down every single time they slow down, they stop running into the box and you're like, this is when you're supposed to be doing these things, running into the box and finding space. And that's what Miguel Amaran does so well. And Alan St. Maximin does is they work off the ball. There's none of that here. And it's like, we paid six point some million dollars for a manager and their staff to, at this point, two years later to have this as a product. It's just ridiculously bad and unacceptable in the top level of what people call the best league in the world. It's just an embarrassment. That's yeah. My- yeah. I would, I would say uh, like there was a lot of huff and puff about the lineup when it came out. Um, and I was just like, 
like I I honestly I don't know why people were I wouldn't say I don't know why people were weren't mad. I think that's not the right word. I don't know why people were surprised. Yeah, like, like what do you want Christian Atsu out there? So, like who else was available? Like I mean, it wasn't even that. They were like, oh, yeah. I mean, I the only thing that I could say is like, yeah, maybe Jeff Hendrick, like you like that's a that's one you you kind of sub out. But like Willick, you knew he was going to play. You knew Shelby was going to play. That back line was damn near guaranteed. Everyone's like, oh, what about Mankio? Obviously, he was not fit. Like. He just returned to training two days before. So, yeah. like, he's not going to be able to play a full 90. Like, we we all know Emil Kraft is not a good right back. But, like, that doesn't change the fact that Javi Mankio is not fully fit. And they're like, oh, he's on the bench. And I'm like, yeah, because, like, literally, we there there's no other players to, to name on the bench. Like, who else would be on the bench? Like, <laughs> it's – I mean, and so uh, – and then, of course, Hayden, uh, Dummett starting, that was fine. Like, it, it's cool. Um, and like seeing Joel Linton and Fraser up top, it was just like, Joel Linton is clearly like, it's obviously not a best case scenario, but he's just been better than the other three strikers in this four, four, two diamond. And like, well, why don't we start a proper striker? Blah, blah, blah. That's beside the point. Like you, like you're talking about Steve Bruce, who, when he changes formations, it's usually not good. So it's like, and he's also very loyal to a formation that works. So he does not – he has not really given up on a lot of formations. He'll revert back to old formations that have been successful. Yeah. But, like, in this situation, in Steve Bruce's eyes, there's no reason the 4-4-2 diamond should not have generated chances against West Brom. And to the, to his credit, like, the 4-4-2 diamond has resulted in Newcastle getting 8, 10, 12 shots a game, 7, 8 shots on target. So, like – in theory, he's he's not wrong, but also recognizing that you probably have a better chance uh, while your three best players are out of probably just sticking with the four four two, throwing out like true wingers like a Ryan Fraser and Jacob Murphy who are just going to swing in crosses. You probably have a better option. Op- you better have a sorry. You, have, you probably have a better opportunity to pick up points or score, um, especially knowing that like you actually are, have been somewhat solid at the back with the back four. You might as well kind of switch it up there. And so I'm curious to see if that's what happens against Villa this weekend, yeah. because uh, that's probably the best case. Like that's probably the best way you can use the current setup, the current team. Uh, well, I guess current available players. Um, but yeah, but that's not what happened. Like we ran with the four, four, two diamond. And like you said, uh, it was not great in the final third. And part of the reason the four, four, two diamond works for Newcastle is that, there's a lot of inventiveness from Alan St. Maxman combining with, with, yeah. with Almiron and Callum Wilson. Like I would argue that it was still fine even without Callum Wilson, but Callum Wilson obviously adds a different dynamic and the threat of a goal scorer there. And, you know, Joe Willick making his late runs when that's taken away, like especially Alan St. Maxman and McAlmaron, it, it's, it's tough because no one, no one has is, is anywhere near creative in the final third Ryan Fraser is creative in the final third, but Ryan Fraser, as we've come to find out and something that we were already seeing is that he's not someone you can depend on for a full 90 minutes to, to provide offense. Like, and again, that's never been his role. Like he's always been kind of a sort of supporting esque player to an attack, but it's just more and more clear that like going forward, he's a great guy to bring off the bench and chuck on for 35 minutes because for 35 minutes, he will be a menace. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, there's nothing really to talk about. Like I think the last actual chance Newcastle had in this match was at the hour mark with Dwight Gale. Um, and that was about it. There uh, was the whole Joel Linton thing, which I, I feel like the Joel Linton thing is like, I don't even want to talk about Joel Linton anymore. Like I think everyone's in agreement that he's not a 40 million pound player, but also everyone's in agreement that he probably isn't benefited by Steve Bruce being there at all. Obviously, his confidence is shot. I say no. Huh? Is he a 20-pound player? Uh, yeah, I think he's a 20-pound player. Boy. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I would say Joe Linton is better than all of my friends at the sport of soccer. 20 yes. million. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you know. Oh, oh, no. Oh, dude, no. Seriously, what I thought you meant 20 pounds because, oh. like, there is a dis- there's a level of Newcastle Twitter that's like, He's not even worth a fiver. And it's like, shut up. That's like, that's just not true. Yeah. Um, like 20 million pounds. Mm, he's I, not. I, I wouldn't say he's, I wouldn't say he's worth it, but I could also see that being like, there are 20 million pounds. That 22, which I just don't understand. I, I will say this. I think that there's, there's players in the premier league that are valued at around that 20 million pound mark that are not worth 20 million pound marks. But because they, they're in the Premier League and they were – it's a transfer movement in the Premier League, they're going to be worth 20 million pounds. Yeah. Like, Billy Gilmore is, like, not worth 20 million pounds, in my opinion, but he probably is. Like, because he's English and in the Premier League and he barely plays for Chelsea, like, he's going to be a 20 million pound player. It is, yeah. It's stupid, but that's just how it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, they're going to talk about that chance, and I'm just like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If Joel Linton misses that and shoots it – instead of laying it off, trying to lay it off, then it's like, oh, gosh, what a shitty striker. He missed in front of goal. And then because he laid it, he, because he tried to lay it off, it's like, oh, what a shitty striker. He laid it off instead of shooting. So I'm like, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, people have made up their minds about him. Like, there's legitimately nothing he can do outside of just out, out of all. Uh, wow. There's nothing he can do outside of maybe just popping up and scoring 20 goals for like three straight seasons for Newcastle yeah. fans to be like, change their opinion on him. There's always going to be people who are like, we never got the best of him. And there's always going to be people who are like, he should have never been bought. And that's, that's the end of that. I feel like we, we don't need to talk about him anymore. Like what you get is what you get at this point. And it's, it's not, not we're talking about like, he's not, he's not someone who's going to get sold. Like there's not a market for Joel Linton. I mean, maybe there is, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's never going to go away. Like, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go to quotes then. Uh, are you good with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Steve Bruce said, I was delayed with their attitude and spirit. We showed a real desire to get something out of the game in terms of the problems we have had in terms of injuries, not Rose. It was important. That little bit of quality at times we lacked a bit, but that is what you pay money for. Where we have invested over the last few months, unfortunately, they are all injured. We have not been hamstrung a bit with missing player, big players at the top end of the pitch. Oh, we have been, sorry, uh, for their effort and attitude. I cannot ask for anything more. With Newcastle, themes, things seem to get blown out of proportion. Rows happen every other day at every other club up and down the country. Hope we can pick up enough points, but we have shown signs we were doing okay after a dismal run of games. We were disappointed that we didn't win, but the thing – which was vitally important was we didn't get beaten with the problems we have had over the past five or six days. And more importantly, the injuries. 
no comment. Anything for you? Uh, it's Steve Bruce, uh, professor. Yeah. yeah uh, those those okay. things are either super predictable or insanely like unpredictable these days. Yeah. It's there's there's no in between. There's no like, oh, can we get a, a lighthearted presser with a fun joke in there? Like, remember those days? Or it was like, how's the bacon? Like, we don't get those anymore. We just no. get like typical Steve Bruce BS or uh, Steve Bruce, um, you know, attacking every journalist. It's there's no in between. Yes. Uh, okay, going to stats. Some stats for you. Uh, that was our first clean sheet in six matches and our second in 13 Premier League and FA Cup matches. Um, and oh, uh, it's happy five year anniversary of Steve McLaren getting fired. Uh, he had he got seven points from 10 games when Steve McLaren got fired. Uh, Bruce is at eight points from 10 games now. So, Bruce, uh, bigger, bigger, Steve McLaren. Yeah, but if you look at Steve McLaren, his run of 18 matches, it was eight, it was five wins in 18. Steve Bruce was two wins in 18. Yeah. Uh, so part of that is definitely just like your teams like Brighton and during the, especially beginning of that run, Fulham, uh, West Brom, and then of course Sheffield uh, just consistently, I wouldn't say consistently underperforming, but just it wasn't to the level of worry as the McLaren years where like other teams were definitely picking up steam quicker than, uh, the Newcastle were now we're really only seeing Fulham really kind of being the only threat. And even then Newcastle still are in a position in which they win two, three games over the next five. And it's, it's looking a lot better than, than, uh, than, than it could be. Yeah. Going to expected goals. Uh, what I'm seeing is West Brom 1.47 Newcastle 0.45. So essentially one to nothing or two to one West Brom is what they predicted. Um, Elijah, you know who has the most expected goals for Newcastle? I think you do. Uh, Joel Linton. Yes, definitely. Uh, nobody else is really close. And the most expected assist is the guy who passed it to him. I don't even remember who did. Joe Willink. Okay. Well, good for Joe. Yeah. Also, uh, but I want to say, Greg, Joe Willick has consistently looked solid. I guess. I don't think it's an I guess. I think he's been good. I mean, good. He's not. He's not good helped. How? I mean, in his role of of what he was brought in to do, which was to be a ball carrying midfielder that would would make like Joe Willick was not brought in to be an offensive juggernaut for sure. No, I'm just saying, like. Like what? Like why he was brought in? He is doing like that yeah. job well. I just, I mean, like again, we kind of both knew he wasn't going to be this goal scoring. He's not a Kevin De Bruyne, so like, yeah. But just like for what it's worth, I think Joe Willock has been a good player. And if this turns into a year long loan signing for next season, I wouldn't be upset with that. Perfect. That that was just my my Joe Willock. I just wanted to give him a little props. There you go. So uh, West Brom had 67% of the chances. They had 13 shots to R9. We had five on target to their three. They had 13 passes within 20 yards of goal to R6. 
PPDA was low for both teams. West Brom was 9.89. We had 8.33. And expected points, West Brom with 2.24 to us, 0.52. So saying that West Brom should have won that one. Uh, but they didn't. Going to 538, um, we are getting close here. Uh, they are having Newcastle finish with 37 points and getting relegated. It's the first time that Newcastle are in the bottom three, according to 538. They have us level on points with Fulham, but Fulham has a way better goal difference, and they're predicting that Fulham's goal difference will be 10 goals better than us by end of season. Um, so we are currently one point ahead of them in the table, but we're really uh, – it's really tied because of uh, goal difference. <laughs> um, so we have a 41% chance to get relegated according to 538 compared to Fulham's 32. We can't, we can no longer also sad news to report. We cannot win the premier league. We are officially from winning the premier league. We still can qualify for the champions league. That is still possible. So here's the hoping on that. Um, and it is a less than 1% chance of finishing in the top 10. We actually, it is not possible for us to Oh yeah. Yeah. We like, it is like so many decimals of a percentage chance for us to even finish eighth at this point, but there's still a chance to get into a champions league spot. Um, but yeah, cause for concern. We're in the relegation zone, according to 538 for end of season in our global soccer rankings, we actually moved up one spot. Uh, we have passed Galatasaray. Um, shout out to. Yeah. Lenny. Uh, DeAndre Adlin, yeah, we are 90th in the world. Galatasaray is 91st. Um, man of the match? Martin Dubraka. Um, I think the last week against Wolves, there was a lot of, I wouldn't say concern, but just uh, he definitely looked a little bit rusty. Um, some folks in, on our on our site mentioned uh, definitely not as aggressive as he, as Carl Darlow maybe was. In terms of caught, he had zero caught crosses and like zero punches, um, which again, like if you care about goalkeeping stats, I guess that kind of shows a level of aggression uh, and kind of asserting your dominance in, in a certain area. Uh, he still looked a little shaky on on set pieces, but for the most part, outside of that, he was he was ca- catching a lot of crosses, a lot of punches, a decent amount, um, and made some tremendous saves that uh, kept it at one point instead of zero points for Newcastle. So, um, yeah, shout out to uh, good old Dubs. Um, probably the only person worthy of a man of a match. Um, everyone else was pretty meh or just yeah. not consistent throughout the match. Like, Ryan Fraser started off well. Like, yeah. he just didn't play well the entire match. So, it's like, you know, same old, same old. Yeah, 538 gave – their projections. Uh, so players that got a seven or above are Emil Croft at 7.02, John Joe Shelby at 7.55, Martin Dubrovka at 7.76, and Kieran Clark at 7.77. Um, so, yeah, congrats to them. We're going to take a break. We have a lot of news to talk about. So let's do that. I'm going to sip a whiskey. And then we'll be right back after this. 
For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello, Elijah. Hello. Let's talk about injuries to start on this new segment. We haven't updated y'all since our last show. So what you got? Yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, it's now fairly public knowledge, but um, Miguel Maroon and, and Alan St. Maxman are probably done for the month of March, um, which for Newcastle is right, like essentially two more matches um, before we've got the international break in March. And they both should be back uh, after then. Uh, so Amron's got a, a knee. He sprained his uh, meniscus, I guess. Is that what he did? Something like that. Yeah. And Alan St. Maxman, yet again, with a groin injury, uh, both uh, not as serious as they could have been, uh, but still cause for worry. Uh, and the hope is that they are back early April. I know Miggy was pushing to try to make it back for uh, um, Conan Bull. Olympic, not Olympic, uh, World Cup qualifying. Uh, and that was very public knowledge. And reports out of Paraguay said that he was trying to get back before the last week of March in order to go play for Paraguay. But as we might discuss later, uh, that's not even really happening anymore. So it doesn't matter. So um, we'll just assume they'll both be back first weekend of April. Calum Wilson, also hamstring injury, something he's dealt with for a while. He knows his body better than anyone else. Uh, and so... There's some there were some rumors floating around that he could be trying to get back before uh, March, at least back in training before the end of March. Um, but again, as it re- as it regards matches, I would not expect him to play in March for Newcastle. Um, if anything, he could get named to the bench next weekend, but which again could be useful because Kyle Wilson has not scored in the first half of any Newcastle match this season, so. If anything, like him being on the bench is cool because if he plays for 10 minutes, there's like actually a higher chance that he'll score than if he started the match. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that that's the Newcastle injury update. Um, surprisingly, those are the only four. Well, there's Fabian Scher, who's likely done for the year. Mob said he could come back in April. But outside of that, it, Newcastle's injury crisis is fixed. So if anything, Newcastle shouldn't be like similar to West Brom. They should not be giving up a ton of goals because they're sorted at the back. They're sorted in the midfield. Um, the attack is what's is what's worrying. So if Newcastle can sort of pick up a couple clean sheets ahead of uh, the return of Almiron and St. Maxman, it's not ideal, but it's maybe enough to to keep keep spirits high heading into uh, heading into April May. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we definitely need that help as much as possible because yeah I don't I just don't I don't see us surviving Fulham like uh like if we drop one point we are in the relegation like we are we are tied with Fulham effectively right now. Well, we have a game in hand, so like yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me because if Newcastle win this this weekend, which again I don't think so, that would mean a thing to you. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it doesn't mean a thing to me because I, I don't think they're going to win. Exactly. Okay. Exactly why I don't think it means much. Um, yeah. So it's just it's it's scary. I'm so scared. 
Uh, next thing to talk about is the Premier League. Uh, so Newcastle uh, released a statement on the Premier League's ruling. Um, this well, was not the Premier uh, League. I guess it's Cass's ruling. Oh yeah. wait, wait, which no. ruling are you talking about? Yes, the, arb- the arbitration rule. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think he used Cass. Actually, I, I was doing some looking, some look at some some. Sorry, I was doing some research on this. And the way they're going about arbitration is actually through Blackstone, which is interesting. Like essentially each side of the the case produces like, like you know, folks to make up this arbitration board that are all Blackstone sort of QCs and, and resources, which is quite fascinating. I thought this would have been done through CAS, but that's just like a random sort of legal quirk for someone who enjoys a little bit of sports law. Uh, and if someone wants to correct me on that, by all means, please. I'd love to hear more. But that's my understanding is that this this was a almost internal Blackstone sort of situation that they're going through arbitration with. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Newcastle released a statement uh, basically condemning the 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 court's decision, uh, saying that the 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 individual that they name would be but has a conflict of interest regarding this particular arbitration um uh like yeah they they basically said like this person doesn't really have a conflict of interest they are just an expert in premier league matters and understand you know how it really works blah blah blah. there's there's two ways to look at this greg uh i've seen both sides of the coin and kind of sort of like plug in fit your narrative type situation there are some people who are going with the this is terrible because you've already pissed off the person who's going to be like essentially ruling in this arbitration case. Uh, And that's not a good thing. Um, And also, you know, their mindset of like, maybe you're grasping for straws here. And then the other side, uh, which again is, I wouldn't say expected, like not expected, but like, I don't know. It It feels very Newcastle is you're doing this as a essentially a public statement uh, to, to pr- apply a little bit of public pressure to make sure that this doesn't look shaky. Um, it also was kind of revealed Premier League want, wanted to, because Newcastle also wanted to make this, uh, the proceedings a little bit more public. And the Premier League essentially does not want to make this a public proceedings. Uh, and also, uh, of course, attention was drawn to the fact that an individual who's on this arbitration board has ties to Premier League. So the good the good viewpoint is that this forces that person to truly like act in the best interest of arbitration and not the best interest of the Premier League, assuming that they had some sort of deal with the Premier League, which again, I'm not going to say that. That's just what people are saying who think this is a good thing. Yes. Now we have an update on the Saudis. Mm-hmm. Because they they ain't trying to deal with a relocated club. Reports are that mm-hmm. they like Inter now. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because Inter in a weird spot where um, essentially they have an owner who um, is in debt and the club is not doing too hot, um, despite of course uh, being Serie A contenders and making the bulk of Italian TV money. Yep. Um, and so there's potential that uh, you that there could be that they, that, they are in first place in, in Syria. 
Yes. And so the potential is that like um, someone could come in and sort of save the club from financial turmoil, cover the cost of debts, and then kind of put them back and, you know, put back, put them back at breaking even, you know, they can sell a couple of players, make some cash and then kind of operate from there. Uh, and that there's a couple interested parties, but one of them is the Saudi PIF as of now. Um, it doesn't seem like the PIF is, is looking at requiring a full, uh, you know, ownership stake in, in, enter, but just a minority stake, something to just like, you yeah. know, Hey, we'll cover some costs, hopefully make some money on the back end. Um, it's unclear whether or not enter's owner really wants to sell his full stake uh, the club is evaluated like 800 million pounds or something absurd like that. So it would be quite the purchase if he was able to, sorry, quite the sale if he was able to kind of flip that and, and talk the Saudis into making that purchase. And of course, they've talked numbers that high before. Um, but again, it's something to pay attention to. Does it really affect the Newcastle sale? Probably not. Um, because the Newcastle sale is probably more affected by relegation at this point than anything else. Yeah. Um, that's pro that's the bare bones of it is that um, like relegation is probably the biggest barrier for this sale. Um, and, you know, we just kind of have to see and wait it out and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see. I, I would be shocked if anybody was going for Newcastle at this point, unless they were trying to find a real bargain and my cash is not selling for a bargain. So uh, let's talk internally into the club. Uh, we had a lot of drama going on with Matt Ritchie and calling Steve Bruce a coward and everything, the bust up that happened there. And Steve Bruce mentioned it in his quotes and there's now drama with the press. There's a lot to unpack here. So the first thing I will mention is, is a lot of people were saying, Oh, this happens at, all clubs, uh, you know, that does not happen at all clubs. And I've, I've heard a few different scenarios about this where former players have talked about like where a player is calling a manager a coward. No, that is not something that happens on an everyday basis. Yes. No, club bust, in bust ups happen. Like we yes. all know, like Matt Ritchie and Jamal Zell's got no fight yes. like a couple seasons. Player to player. Like, yeah, that, that happens. And yeah, maybe there's some screaming and shouting. But usually, like, not to that degree of calling the manager a coward. No. And also, no. like, to me, that was the least alarming thing in Craig Hope's expose. Yeah. Which, like, there, there was a lot in there to unpack that just was way more concerning. Go uh, ahead, Dave. Tell us. So, um, there's a lot. Uh, so, of course, the whole thing happened as a result of Steve Bruce, as we mentioned on our last pod, uh, basically throwing his players under the bus. Uh, blamed Matt Ritchie for the Wolves goal. I uh, said he didn't get on in time and give the instructions. Uh, blamed like basically Joel Linton for missing at the other end of the pitch. Said Dubrovka could save it. Uh, talked about Jamal Lewis losing his marker again. Um, like that's some of that is true. Like Jamal Lewis definitely not the best defensive, you know, acumen there. Uh, Dubrovka, yes, maybe you should have saved that. Should have Joel Linton have scored that on the other end? We talked about that. I'm done talking about Joel Linton. Like, I don't care. I'm tired of it. Um, but, again, you don't throw your players under the bus of your manager. And the only way you can do that is if you're a Jose Mourinho or a Arsene Wenger or, like, a Rafa Benitez or, I don't know, you have to be a good manager to do that and, like, be publicly throwing your players under the bus. And, two, you have to also have – 
put yourself in a position to accept accountability. And Steve yeah. Bruce has not done that. So, like, if you don't – like, players don't mind getting called out publicly. Sure, they don't like it, but it's not a huge deal if the manager has themselves been taking – you know, like, holding themselves accountable. And it's like, yeah, we've won two and 18. And has Steve Bruce said any at any point – this is my fault. I need to improve. I got the tactics wrong. I got the formation wrong. I got the, the selection wrong. He hasn't. So when you're looking at that and it's like he takes credit for the two wins, but for the 16 draws and losses, it's not his fault. Players definitely notice that. And uh, I even put, I wrote up on this and I mentioned because this was a, essentially a day after my, my basketball team, the Atlanta Hawks fired their coach. And the expose written about that was like essentially like the players, there were players that didn't like Lloyd Pierce, but what was the nail in the coffin was that pretty much like the Hawks continued to lose games in the fourth quarter. Like they're one of the worst teams in terms of like fourth quarter, uh, you know, minutes and stuff. And this means nothing to British people, but hear me out. Um, But essentially, and part of that reason, like it's twofold, like, yes, part of that is on the players. Yes, should Trey Young be taking 30-foot threes in the fourth quarter when you're, like, down three? No, but part of that also is on the coach, and the coach sets the rotation, sets the lineup, uh, you know, takes, you know, decides who's playing, what what they're running defensively, what sets they're running, what, what offense they're running, and, you know, their coach repeatedly refused to kind of take, it, take uh, ownership over like losses that are that were essentially his fault losses that were you know a result of them playing a terrible rotation or setting out a bad lineup or things like that very similar to one Steve Bruce and that is what got Lloyd Pierce fired it was essentially like players lost faith in him lost he lost the locker room almost completely because the results weren't there and he wasn't taking you know correct he wasn't being held accountable himself he wasn't holding himself accountable for any of the losses and so this is that was an alarming thing. And I think what's even more alarming is Craig Cope sort of details um, like a lot of other sort of storylines, uh, basically saying that uh, the players were pretty upset with um, the way the Darlo Dubrovka situation uh, was handled, where um, it was leaked to the press that Dubrovka was going to start before Darlo even knew that he was going to like be dropped for the Wolves match. Uh, players were not happy uh, with John Joe Shelby's interview ahead of the Wolves match. Uh, some even saying it looked like he was being held hostage. There was also just players making fun of Steve Bruce in a WhatsApp group and things like that. Things that you don't want to hear about the club that I think are way more important and way more pressing than Matt Ritchie, who is a known hothead, getting upset with the manager. Like that is something that I'm surprised we hadn't heard of it before. But what is more surprising is hearing that, one, that there's a mole at the club like that is potentially a player or coach that is completely fine uh, leaking this information. And two, that the players have, at least a contingency of players, have reportedly lost faith in Steve Bruce altogether and don't think that he is the man to keep them up or to bring Newcastle sort of forward into the future. So um, it was a lot to say, but it's a lot to unpack. And I don't know, do you have any sort of, you know, thoughts on, you know, this whole situation, like you said, it's not normal for this, but I mean, some of the other stuff with, I mean, even Steve Bruce sort of trying to throw Graham Jones under the bus to players and saying that this whole issue of changing formations and Matt Ritchie coming on late was Graham Jones's fault. Like 
what are your thoughts on, on, on the secondary aspects of this, the, the stuff that wasn't really talked about? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, my thoughts are like, I don't have any different thoughts from any other Newcastle fan. I really don't like it's, it's just, and it's just more and more surprising that Seabrew still has a job. That's the only thought I have from any of this. It's not the player's fault in this situation. Like if, if a player has a bust up with the manager, it's, the manager's fault. The the players are known and trained to absolutely like respect everything the manager says and does. And if they go out of hand and challenge like physically, alter, well, it wasn't a physical altercation, but like calling well, it out. Uh, one of Craig, Craig Hope said that that Steve Bruce did some shoulder uh, yeah, nudges. Yeah. So yeah, physical-ish. But like if for that to happen, it's only because the manager has completely lost it. And then you couple that with the streak that they're on losing consistently, actually consistently, then like, how does this man stay employed? Especially for how much you paid like to have him here as a manager. Yeah. He's the lowest paid manager in the premier league, but you paid a 6 million pound release clause for him. It's just ridiculous. So yeah, that's my only thought. By the way, from a team that was, that is not good. Like, it's not like you, you pride him. Like it's one thing, like, it's one thing if you pry away from a Brentford, but like you, you pry them away from a team that like, I don't know what was not that good. Like they, I don't even remember if they made the playoffs. They might've barely made the playoffs. Like Steve Bruce sort of turned things. It was just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a bit annoying. I think the fallout from it was even more bizarre where the next day Craig Hope goes on talk sport and say what you want about talk sport, but they're like the freaking TMZ of, of, <laughs> football like they know how to make those headlines they know exactly what buttons to press especially when it comes to newcastle they had craig hope on and craig hope essentially confirmed like i got this from someone who is close to the team i confirmed this story with the club so i know it happened and then the club was upset that i reported it even though my literal job is to be a reporter and report information that occurs and the club was upset with him with that then Steve Bruce went on Talk Sport and then proceeded to bash Craig Hope for again doing his job. And Craig Hope then found out he was banned from you know Newcastle press conferences. And it's just like all this happened before the West Brom game. Like that's this is this is like the last thing you want on your mind. Like I think for a long time, uh, past three seasons, uh, they've always thrown around relegation as being a distraction. But I feel like this is an even bigger distraction uh, than relegation – not relegation, sorry, uh, a takeover being a distraction. This is an even bigger distraction than any sort of takeover news. And it just – I don't know. Uh, Luke Edwards came out with a report saying that Richie apologized and all was well. But in that report, we found out that Newcastle essentially um, only practiced three times last week. Yeah. So, like, it's even when there's good – there's your good leak – it's still bad. (laughs) So quick odds and ends here. Um, We just have a fans in the stands update. Um, The athletic have mentioned that there's discussions that they're going to allow each team to have a home and away with fans in the stands. So in order to allow that all to happen uh, after the 36th round of fixtures, the May 12th, right around there, 
until the following weekend around May 15th. They're going to move that 37th round of fixtures to the following weekend, May 19th, to allow crowds to be present. And then the 38th and final round of fixtures to be as scheduled on Sunday, May 23rd. So that way every Premier League team would have a home end of the way fixture in those two matches, the way it's set up. Um, so in Newcastle's case, that would see a Manchester City home game pushed, pushed back to the 15th. Um, and then... Uh, then oh, sorry, sorry. It would, it would see the Manchester City game pushed back to May 15th, and that would remain behind closed doors because not to the 17th threshold. But then Sheffield United would visit on mid, the following midweek on around May 19th, with fans would be present in that match and then following uh, on the road to Fulham to close it out. So that's being talked about right now. Still could happen. Um, any comments on there, Elijah? Nope. No. <laughs> Financial report for Sheffield Wednesday came out and it looks like we paid way too much money for a lot of losses. Uh, it's according to the financial report from Sheffield Wednesday. I'm trying to pull this up. It's okay, 6.5 yeah. million. Yeah. 6.475, uh, which is considered a confidential settlement payment, uh, which is being interpreted as the, f- the compensation re- received from Newcastle United for Steve Bruce and his staff. Too much money, do you think? Yeah. Uh, also, we found out kind of a bit of an odd thing is that Steve Bruce's release clause is four million pounds. So um, we'd heard that he had gotten sort of a, a I wouldn't say an extent. He got an alter an alteration to his contract. Uh, so I'm guessing he's making a little bit more money uh, since his first season. He was able to prove that he could stick around in the Premier League. Um, so. Now, if we want to get rid of Steve Bruce, it'd be four million pounds. Um, I'm also curious to see how much we paid for Graham Jones's compensation. Uh, arguably, m- more worth it than Steve Bruce's. Um, yeah. Also, uh, people want Brendan Rodgers to manage Newcastle. That's not going to happen. Not Brendan Rodgers. No, um, CBG. Steven Jer- CBG. I'm, I'm sorry, I was mis- mixing up my. Uh, my midfielders there. Yeah, no so. up-and-coming manager is going to take Newcastle with Mike Ashley here. It's just not happening, y'all. Uh, one other funny thing is the Sheffield Star, the newspaper, said that the 6.475 fee is the largest transfer fee ever received by Sheffield Wednesday. So that was a little uh, funny funny humor there. Damn. Um, we have a new player, Elijah. Uh Welcome, Matthew Bonswell. Uh, we're going to complete a free transfer, it looks like, for the U- England U18 left back. He will join our U23 squad. He is about to turn 19 years old. He was born in Nottingham, and he started his career at the Nottingham Forest Academy. Uh, he left. He was there for eight years, left in 2018 to join with RB Leipzig. Very good, very good deal for there. He played for their U19, U17 and U19 sides uh, since 2018, and he got his first senior appearance 
on loan this season at the second tier side FC Dordrecht in uh, in Netherlands, which is the same tier that Elias Sorensen is playing in right now. So he's linked with West Ham and Leeds, but it looks like he is going to sign with us now. Uh, we'll see how it goes. This is another guy that like was promising, didn't really work out. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Hans um, well? Uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Newcastle for continuing to ignore our advice. Um, and, <laughs> and just instead of investing in their academy, they're just going to sign academy rejects. Also, I forgot to mention this during the West Brom thing when it regards to lineups. I'm sorry. Like saying Matty Longstaff or Sean Longstaff should have started over Jeff Hendrick is a bit of a moot point because like kind of Greg said there in terms of what Newcastle were lacking, neither one of those guys provide, right? Like movement in the final third, like neither one of them are, are, are going to bring that. So it's like, you would have just been upset with Matty Longstaff or Sean Longstaff. So again, I don't want to, piss anyone off but like yeah Jeff Hendricks shouldn't have started but again nothing would have changed if he if anyone else started ahead of him like the, like legitimately nothing would have changed just how yeah. it is have, have no, Matty Longstaff and Sean Longstaff scored a goal from like less like inside the box for at Newcastle like I feel like no like they both have just been you know shooting from distance and hoping that it goes in <laughs> yeah so I uh yeah and, and that and that sense like I would almost rather than Sean or Maddie start instead of like I'd rather be a guy somebody from our academy than Jeff Hendrick but either way like like Jeff Hendrick who is now the highest goal scorer not that that's like healthy right now that's the thing is that it's like if I'm if I'm playing a strictly numbers game it's like yeah it makes sense to start Jeff Hendrick because even though like in our eyes he's not a threat to score he still has two goals so like that's better than zero. Yeah. Um, U23s. They drew Sunderland. Look, they if you don't won. Beat... What's that? They should have won. Well, they went down uh, early, but then Adam Wilson thankfully got a goal at the, at the end of it, or right right after it. I mean, to to help out, but. I mean, if you're not beating them, you are not good. Well, that's what I'm saying. They should have won. Like, it's it's a League One academy that has also continued over the past three seasons to sell their best academy talent. So it's like, to know you should be beating this this team. Yeah. yeah well, well, Newcastle now is bottom in they well they have been, but they are in last place of the Premier League Two Division Two. So. We are behind the likes of Fulham, Middlesbrough, West Brom, Sunderland, uh, Norwich, Burnley, Aston Villa, Reading, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Stoke, Leeds, all, all ahead of Newcastle United. Uh, we are in last place, 17 points, minus 12 goal difference. We're tied with West Brom and Sunderland on points, but uh, all of them have way better goal differences than us. So, And they both have a game in hand. <laughs> So it's it's not not good. I mean, this is the worst academy season I, that since I've been following the academy. This is the worst that I've seen. It could be because of COVID, but I don't think so. I have a thought there. But some positive news: we destroyed Leeds, which are easily the worst U eighteen uh, Premier League side in the North Division. Uh, Newcastle are in eleventh of the thirteen teams in the U eighteens. 
you're ahead of just Sunderland and Leeds, but behind Stoke, Blackburn, Burnley, Derby, Middlesbrough. I mean, it's just, it's bad. It's bad. Our academy is awful. Uh, yeah, we had a good game against Leeds who has two wins, three draws and 11 losses with a minus 24 goal difference. We beat them three to nothing. It's great. I'd love to celebrate that if it actually meant anything and it just doesn't, they're just not, we're just not good. That's my depressing Academy take. Elijah, what about Chancel Mbemba? Well, um, it's nothing massive. It's just Newcastle fans overreacting to the fact that yet another Newcastle, former Newcastle player is performing well in a league that is not as good as ours. I'm all, oh, sorry. The Champions League is definitely better than Premier League, but like Chancel Mbemba is a solid player in the Portuguese league and he starts for Porto and uh, they were able to knock off Ronaldo. Um, shout out to Ronaldo and Messi for passing on the baton to, I don't know, Erling Holland and Mbappe because and Mbemba. yeah. And Mbemba. That's true. Yeah. And also Hosselu and Mikel Marino. Let's uh, every former Newcastle player or player linked to Newcastle. We'll just uh, throw in that, that, uh, that boat. And I said Mbappe and Holland because, like, I am now, Greg, I'm going to be brave about this, but I will now say um, I've heard, according to my sources, that Newcastle would be interested in signing Erlen Holland or Kylian Mbappe. Mm. They were just interested in it. They don't. There's no movement, no offer submitted, but Newcastle is a club that would be interested in securing the services of either one of those players. Wow, big moves coming out this summer. Can't wait. No, no, just just interested. Just interested. Yeah. They are interested in those players. That's crazy. I'm gonna have to take a break because of this. So let's just let's just take a break and then we can talk about Aston Villa now. I mean, it's just too much to take in at once. We'll be right back. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, Elijah, crunch time. Got to win. Can we do it? That's the question. Newcastle United versus Aston Villa. Big match for the boys. Aston Villa sit in ninth place on 40 points with a plus 11 goal difference. Newcastle sit in 16th at 27 points and a minus 17 goal difference. Um, Aston Villa, not really, I mean, they have just the same amount of points as Newcastle does in their last five games. So pretty, pretty standard there, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. So, Kyle Wilson, Miguel Amran, St. Maximin, Fabian Chair, all out. It remains to be seen for Villa side whether Jack Grealish will return. Uh, he set out the last four games with a leg injury, but uh, it's important to note that since he's been out, they've just won once. Um, so they've the one thing is on the road, they've kept eight clean sheets this season, which is the best in the Premier League. And um, – yeah, I think that's all I got. So, Elijah. Uh, I mean, they're they're missing a lot of players, which is part of the reason why this has been – like, Traore's going to probably not play. Again, okay. it is Newcastle. So, all these guys have been – they've picked up knocks over the past couple of matches you're in training, mm-hmm. and they're listed as doubtful. But, you know, they could 
all of a sudden decide to make an appearance against Newcastle because why not? But again, there's no reason uh, to like, similar to kind of what happened with Liverpool and, and Fulham, like Liverpool felt no reason to play any like their best lineup because they felt that this, this really rotated side could beat Fulham. They were wrong, but mm-hmm. again, uh, it's just, I see Aston Villa who again are 40 points, they got their safe. That's different than that's way different than their position last season. So I could honestly see them kind of coasting and just kind of if it's not necessary to play these players, it's not necessary. I feel like that's a team where they feel as if they could pick up points against Newcastle if they continue to play a rotated side. They just drew with Wolves. They had a one nil win over uh, Leeds, I believe. Yeah. Um, they lost to Sheffield, lost to Leicester, drew with Brighton. Again, I feel like. Anytime you're playing Brighton, uh, the odds are in your favor because the XG gods are not with them. Uh, so just just to list off the injuries compared to Newcastle, El Ghazi is doubtful. Traore is doubtful. Grealish, wow. doubtful. Wow. House, doubtful. Matty Cash is definitely out. Uh, Sanson is probably out. He's picked up an ankle injury. Oh, and so- Wesley has, is, is out. He's out till probably similar to Miguel Amaron and uh, – Allison Maxman out to late March, early April. You got a game or two before the international break. In my opinion, I just don't think it's worth the risk for Aston Villa to play any of those players. I'm also looking at it from a Newcastle fan's perspective. There's no reason that they should be fearful that Newcastle would beat them. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, that it's just stuff to consider is that, like, again, the odds are in Newcastle's favor. Like, if they don't give up a goal – they have a chance to walk away with points of some regard here. Yeah. Now, let, let's drive into to how do we get those points, and we need three of them. Elijah, what does Newcastle need to do to get three points against Aston Villa? Honestly, with- I do think that you have to sort of pivot tactically and yeah. go with the four four two put two wingers out there, like true wingers. I'd say you go with the midfield of Isaac Hayden and John Joe Shelby. Like I also, I'm saying this knowing that like in my ideal world, I would go with Isaac Hayden and, and Joe Willick, but I'm just letting you guys know, John Joe Shelby is not going to get dropped from new, like go ahead and put it in your, in your head. Like just take a, a moment right now, take a deep breath and realize John Joe Shelby is just not going to get brought from a Steve, dropped from a Steve Bruce side. Yeah. He, he publicly stated how great Steve Bruce was as a man manager and how wonderful it's been underneath him. Like he just, he's never going to get dropped unless he's injured. Uh, so I say you go with the four, four, two and yeah. just go Carol and Gail uh, and just swing in balls and hope for the best. Uh, put, I think Carol and Gail kind of would work well together as a two striker up top formation. We haven't really seen that yet under Bruce. Um, it's that old school sort of soccer that, you know, him and Sam Allardyce and all the old uh, English white managers want to play. Uh, but you actually have the personnel to do it here in Newcastle. Uh, Fraser is a guy who whips in good crosses. Uh, and honestly, you could either chuck up Richie or Jacob Murphy as guys who also whipping decent crosses as well. And then you have your two midfielders who can kind of go up and down the pitch. And in this case, it'll be Shelby and, and Hayden. 
And your back line is solid. Like, whoever you start back there, it's likely going to be either Dumb or Lewis, which, again, uh, you know, pick your poison. If you want a little bit yep. more offensive threat, go Lewis, but just know that he's going to make a, a defensive error. And if you want literally no offense coming from the left-hand side, but to be solid defensively, go with Dummett. Um, depends on what you want. I At this point, Fernandez is probably going to be able to you know, play alongside Jamal Lascelles. And Javi Mankio should be back. So your back line's sorted, and it's a solid back line, and it should not give up a goal uh, to an Aston Villa team that will be without some of their best players. And then Dubrovka and goal. So, again, I think if you actually go with your gut and revert to that 4-4-2, just half players swinging crosses, you probably have a chance to pick up at least a point here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm differing from you a little bit on this. I would – I love the 442 diamond all the way, but with this lineup, I think I, I'm going to say 541 bunker and counter and just hope. Uh, I, I, I mean, I want to say like that I, it wasn't as terrible against West Brom because we were playing West Brom. I think if we, with, with Aston Villa's lineup, the quality is, is, we can say similar-ish. Um, if we give Aston Villa the ball a lot in this scenario, I think they're willing. To, they're going to make a lot more mistakes than a Man City side. I know a lot yeah. of fans are going to hate that, hate me saying that we should bunker for this, but I think that we are going to get a lot more opportunities than you would think from this from doing that formation rather than pressing and then getting too tired and not making the runs into the final third. If the players, I think, if they know that, the, hey, like I'm going to get into the final third maybe four times this match, maybe they'll actually try in one of those four times and it will connect and we'll win one nothing. That's that's what I think we should do to win if I'm talking. I, I, I'm just going to push back on the 5-4-1 given the personnel because I think like the, a lot of the 541 uh, was rooted in the fact that like in the eyes of Steve Bruce, we wouldn't give up goals. But it's like Newcastle haven't been terrible defensively playing with the back four. And Steve Bruce claims he would rather play with the back four. And it's like even when we play with the back four, especially with the 442, we've bunkered and countered. And I feel like you have a better chance. Like as new, I feel like I would say better chance, but I think there's just a higher likelihood that we still bunker, like you say, but play a four four two instead. Like yeah. I don't, I mean the five four one. I just it feels a bit unnecessary if, like in this in this case, because it's like who would you who would who would be your one in this situation? Sure. Like in in our, ugh, oof. I feel well, like I would. In, I'd put Jolinton in, and so the reason I'm saying it's. It's I wouldn't prefer a four four two is because I'd put Hayden as a center back and I'd put one of the long staffs in and I think that's a better formation than a four four two if we're going to bunker against a team like this. I don't know if I would put Hayden as a center back. I if in a five four one I'd I'd stick with Hayden as a midfielder. I put I put Sean Longstaff in at at the ten ish on a on a five four one. With with John Joe Shelby, yeah, Shelby, uh, Shelby, Sean, Hendrick, and Willick. Oh no, I would put Willick at. No, 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 I would not put Willick at the ten. I put Sean Longstaff at the ten. Willick at like an eight. Shelby at the six, and go. Where does and, Ryan? I'm sure. Uh, my thing is with is like, 
are you playing Willick out wide? Or are you playing like that, no, that's Parker, the thing? I'm, is I'm keeping him in, and then I'd probably use like well, I guess you just use Jamal Lewis or Emil Croft, and you just figure out how to wing. So you're kind of having him pinch in, and then Ryan Fraser, I'm assuming, yeah. is in this. Yeah, Ryan Fraser would just I'd bring him on in like the 65th minute. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird because I, I do think like in, in an ideal scenario, a 4-4-2 straight up with Willick and Hayden is probably our best formation right now. But that's just not going to happen because John Joe Shelby will just play. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I get the 5-4-1, but I also like I push back on it simply because I just feel that's like fair. you could do better. And I, I would rather – I hate this because I'm, of course, you know, I'm not an Andy Carroll guy. Like I just think it's a waste of a signing, but like, I, I feel better about Andy Carroll being a guy who you could swing up balls to. uh, And at least for some reason, still, he is considered a threat. Uh, I feel better about him and Dwight Gale acting as a true poacher than I do about Joel Linton operating up on his own simply because I think both of those two guys together are better than Joel Linton by himself, if that makes sense. Yeah. That, and that that's honestly it. It's like, I think that's a one nil win. If you go four, four, two dime, not sorry, four, four, two straight up, because I think like you get a chance either because of an Andy Carroll, like header or because like Dwight Gale's poaching and waiting for a mistake and is going to pop and go and pounce on it. So yeah, I don't know. I I have a, just an inclination, like a weird feeling that it's just going to be straight up four four two with those two starting, especially because Steve Bruce is getting roasted. He's definitely looking at Twitter at some point, getting roasted for starting Joel Linton and not starting Carol or Gale. Uh, I just I don't know. I feel like that's what's going to happen. Um, do you want to step into predictions? I would like to step into them. Um, okay, Elijah. What do you have? Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go one nothing win here. Uh, oh, it just it just feels like one of those matches where we go into it saying there's no way in hell Newcastle should win, and then they somehow win. That's that's honestly it's complete gut feeling, complete uh, like inclination sort of thing. But like, I just feel like it's gonna be a one nothing win. Uh, and people will be upset because they'll be like, we should have done this against, you know, uh, we should have done this against West Brom, but like we won't. And I don't know. I, I just feel like that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. that If Jack Grealish plays, it's going to be a loss. But if he doesn't play, it's one nothing win. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, I'm going opposite. I'm saying one nothing loss. Uh, I, yeah, I just I just don't think. We have it, y'all. But I will say that Man City destroys Fulham because they're pissed off right now. So I think we're. we're I think the goal difference will get a little closer, like three goals closer, but um, or two or two or three goals closer. But it's still a far, far stretch. But yeah, that that's honestly what I was going to say. I was going to mention the fact that uh, Man City looks like they're probably. uh, It's not going to be a Liverpool situation. No. Where Liverpool definitely looked devoid of confidence uh, going into Fulham, but Man City just won 5-2. So uh, I think they're going to probably pump Fulham. Yeah, they are. Uh, so I don't think – I don't see 
uh, relegation drop happening this weekend, but we do, we are on watch for next weekend for sure. Uh, but I think I do, I do. I just really do not see us winning. I have no confidence that we can win this match. And that's just, I'm sorry to be so depressing, but that's how it is. Uh, 538 says that we will lose. Uh, they have Aston Villa with a 40, 40% chance to win. Newcastle with a 33% chance to win. So pretty close there and a 28% chance of a draw. Uh, so fairly even in comparison, but Aston Villa with a little bit of a yeah, they have Man City with a 64% chance to beat Fulham, a 14% chance for Fulham to win, and a 22% chance for a draw. So big, big favorite that um, Man City win. The only other game that's a bigger advantage than Man City, Man City Fulham is Leicester to beat Sheffield United. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Elijah, any last words before we close this fine episode? No, I mean um... – I, I don't know. I won't be able to watch this match. Actually, I'll be uh, driving to Asheville at this point. So, Ooh, that's um, a good, that's a good place to drive to. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to me. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that Newcastle pull out a result in that um, next weekend, the 20th, when we play Brighton. That I actually look forward to maybe watching that and saying like, hey, you know what? Maybe Newcastle can go to 33 points and it's a different ball game and things are looking up. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's the back of my head. I've got the uh, just the 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 weird sensation. I'm not at the level of we're going to get relegated, but I definitely am in the I told you so Newcastle were not as good as people thought they would be, which, again, no Newcastle fan thought Newcastle would be good. But uh, in, a, in that soccer group me that I mentioned so often, we do a a uh, yearly prediction and so many people had Newcastle in like the top 12 and it was just like Steve Bruce is not a good manager I don't know why you see them as being this good and now everyone's like oh wait time out Newcastle's not that good I was like well I mean I picked them at 15th for a reason uh I don't I, think that they're good I did have us in 17th place I'm pulling up my predictions now uh and, yeah, and that's that's also partially a lie because Greg was very open in the beginning of the year that he thought Newcastle would get relegated. Yeah, I did change it. I changed it last minute to 17th. Yeah. Like you were very like, Oh yeah, we're probably going to get relegated. And I was like, dude, we have Callum Wilson. They were like, yeah, we're going to get relegated. Uh, yeah. I actually had, I, I had Brighton 16, which is probably accurate. Yeah. Uh, I, I have Newcastle 17 palace crystal palace at 18, which isn't too far off. And then I had Fulham and West Brom rounded it out. So I, with the bottom five, I'm pretty close. Yeah. Uh, you got, you got, I, I got it. You got it spot on as to like, who's involved in that conversation. And also like, somewhat, like them at 11th, which is what like you also, I think you're also like very spot on in the, the, the teams that sort of overperformed last year, like crystal palace, Newcastle, and Sheffield or teams that were just like you look at their rosters and you're like mm, they should not be like they should not have finished where they finished yeah um, which that's something altogether and yeah uh, I also I think I had leads at like 15th or 16th yeah, I, I was very much like on leads I, was, I had them 10th I was very much like they're going to be good for the first half of the season but their fatigue is going to be insane and, and Wow, look at me. It was right about that. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, well, they're in, they're in 11th, though. 
Yeah, they are, but I, uh, it's also just due to how bad the bottom, like, half of the table is. Yeah. Like, I'm still surprised Southampton is, like, where they are because, like, I see them and I'm like, this is not that great of a side, but they continue to still somehow pick up points, and it's very weird. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's conclude this episode, episode 169 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That's the best damn co-host in the land. Wearing five stripes right now. Elijah Newsom. Yeah. And let's get three points this weekend, everybody. And hoy the lads. Hoy the lads. Love you guys. But I wish I was on the case side Looking at the old time bridge I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes There's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park In the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tonight. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll pray the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rear, I'm coming home.